I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, hello, and I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. That music at the start of this podcast really puts a smile on my face. Well, to start, as ever, thank you very much to our Patreon supporters, without whom we would not be able to produce this podcast. And if you like what you hear, then please do go over to our Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, hit the link tree drop down box where you'll find a link to the Patreon page. And for as little as £3 a month, you can help support this podcast. But if that's not for you, then that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. The Kersler Arts Exhibition at the Royal Festival Hall, which this year is called Freedom and curated by Ai Weiwei, has just got a few more days to run. It runs until the 18th of December. And as I'm recording this intro, which is um, on the 7th going into the 8th of December, I'm sat in a hotel just outside Aylesbury doing a prison workshop in a local jail. But tomorrow, which is my second day in the prison, there is a special meeting at that Freedom Exhibition for the volunteers, Kersler staff and their trustees, which I am one. And that's being hosted by Ai Weiwei himself. Now, I'm well aware that many of you may well drop what you're doing and go to meet Ai Weiwei if you had the opportunity, and, and I would normally too, but the prison I'm working in is an extremely unique prison. It's, it's the only one in Europe which is therapy-led. And it is so, so hard to get him to do a workshop. I've been trying for around about eight or nine years. And uh, I'm not willing to wait that long again to come and do a workshop here. I'm just hoping that our paths will one day cross. And who knows, 
he might even want to come on to the <laughs> to the Ministry of Arts podcast to, to raise his profile a little bit. And as the host of a podcast, if you put yourself in my position and you've got the opportunity to speak to loads of different artists from every rung of the uh, of the artistic ladder, you're obviously going to know some better than others. And although you might try and put the same amount of energy into each episode, some are going to mean a little bit more to you than others, you know. And with no disrespects to previous guests, this episode is one of those that really did mean quite a lot to me. And not just because he's an artist I'm very fond of, it's because he was one of my tutors when uh, when I was doing my BA, just as I got out of prison. And I was quite lucky because when I went to university in 2001, the tutors and technicians were a proper good bunch. And almost 20 years later, I'm still in contact with most of them. And the tutors were of different ages and various levels of their career as artists. But today's guest, Tim Allen, he was the one that had the most experience. He knew everyone. He'd taught everyone. He was not only the one that we went to for advice, he was the one that the tutors went to for advice. Well, a few months ago, when Lee Ainsworth and I were at the Cornelia Parker exhibition, we've come out into the gift shop and there was Tim standing in front of us. So I asked if he'd come on the podcast and a few weeks later, he'd invited me down to his studio to record an episode. And uh, (laughs) as you may be aware by the echo, it's a damn big studio. And even before I walked in his studio, I knew that this would be one of my favourite episodes. So please, come and join me in the studio of Tim Allen. It's got a different feel to the, uh, to the other one entirely, hasn't it? Well, the other one, I've just, um, just started these, these ones. Like you saw, this is uh, maybe a couple of years, or last year maybe. There's a whole series of these. But with that horizontal line? Yeah, yeah. That's a kind of landscape thing, I think. First of all, I have several questions that I ask each guest. Okay. And the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Um, 30, 40, getting up for 50% of the work that I've done, if you look from when I began which working, which is maybe 68, something like that. Um, a lot of the work has been based on landscape, like landscape motifs or the kind of tra- traditions in landscape painting. But that's combined with, uh, or filtered through, a love of uh, abstract painting. So the two kind of move in and out of each other a lot. And I think you can see that in maybe yeah. this painting here. Well, I mean, you, you asked about, I think you said horizon line, didn't you? Mm. It's bisected in the middle. And uh, you find a lot of them have that and they play around either side of that line, of that border line. I mean, with it being in the abstract, the one we're looking at, which mm. is a very wide rectangle yeah divided in the center but when you say it's landscapes it helps the viewer a little bit insofar as the bottom half is greenish the top half is blueish so yeah so we've got that and several rising suns in the middle yeah and there's that love or admiration for abstract always been there 
Yeah, I think so. Well, no, actually, no. If I'm, if I'm, when I was a teenager, I found um, it took me quite a while uh, to get past Picasso. But uh, then the worst one actually was de Kooning. I can remember looking at a reproduction of Woman One by de Kooning, which is uh, an incredible painting from the. Uh, 50s, uh, late 40s, early 50s. Um, I should know when it exactly was, actually. <laughs> it, it took him over a year to paint, and he was never convinced that it was finished. Anyway, I found it very... Uh, um, I couldn't understand how people thought it was so great. And then... But it, it obsessed me, and I kept th thinking about it. And it was on my mind a lot. And then suddenly one day I understood how brilliant it was. And I understood how uh, sophisticated it was in its construction, whereas I'd, prior to that I'd thought it was just a mess. You know, kind of real standard view of uh, uh, modern art, you know, that I had as a, as a young teenager once I cracked that it was I've never had a problem ever since then and uh, and I just get to I think de Kooning's a genius actually um, and then the whole tradition of you know when I, I was in art school in the late 60s American painting was really you know really ruled and it had it had actually done since the 50s you know so uh, past the abstract expressionists into people like Frank Stella, Kenneth Nolan, Galitsky, all those people uh, were a big inspiration for me. And in fact, I can remember seeing some of those works. I can remember seeing Frank Stella's uh, protractor paintings yeah. and Larry Poons' uh, paintings immediately after his dots and at Kasmin Gallery in uh, New Bond Street. And uh, not only was that a fantastic space, it was just a kind of such an incredible experience. I mean, I must have been 18, maybe, something like that. And it was like another world, really. And so ever since then, you know, I, I had this uh, thing for American painting, actually. You know, but there, there are, this isn't to say that there are great, aren't great British yeah. artists, obviously there are, but I'm just talking about a particular kind of tradition that was very, very dominant um, at that time. Although, having said that, you know, at Newcastle, uh, where I went, Newcastle University, the fine art department there, was really, uh, in some ways, very much ahead of its time, and... Uh, you know, for, there were people, great artists working there. Sean Scully, Brian Ferry had left maybe four years before. Well, actually, just as I started, he left. Um, Stephen Buckley, you know, a lot of really great artists. And Nick DeVille, who later on became Dean of Goldsmiths, was a student then. And so a lot of that, I think, a lot of what happened at Goldsmiths came out of that Newcastle experience and now the Wilson twins are uh, 
you know, very inf uh, influential there. They're working there as professors, joint professors somehow. I don't know how that works, but... Are they in as one? I, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> they've done everything else well. Yeah, yeah, I know. <coughs> but two professorial salaries is quite a, quite <laughs> a score. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, at the time that I was there, I mean, Sean was a year above me, uh, as I said, but quite a few other people. But, you know, there were people making abstract paintings. There were people making pop art paintings. There were people making, uh, making conceptual work, you know, like... Um, so it was a really kind of broad, uh, broad uh, experience. And I was playing music as well at that time, so it kind of made it... It was just a classic art school experience, which doesn't happen so much mm. now as I was... What kind of music did you play uh, Rock music, you know, we had a, a band and quite clear. In fact, I might even play some in a minute. We're on Spotify and all of that. Um, yeah. So, we were, uh, you know, it was this notion that, you know, you went to art school to make whatever you wanted to make. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, the, the, the freedom that you had there was something to be valued. And uh, I still think it's in a unique uh, British art education had a, a kind of unique flavour to it. You know, all the major bands that, you know, that you can't name any of the major bands of the 60s that didn't have somebody who was at art school. Yeah. You know, Beatles, Stones, well, you name it, you know, Kinks, all of them. Uh, but it, it felt like that for me a generation or so after being in yeah. the 90s when I was introduced to art. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it was that was the same sort of thing with... With Blur and Oasis and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it was, it was that kind of thing there. Mm -hmm. But um, was there art in the home growing up? Uh, there was actually, yeah, because my mother was at art school, um, at Manchester, just after the war, or just during. Actually, I think the first bit was during the war and then just after it. Um, and. Uh, she uh, actually, she's one of the best. I've got Planchester <laughs> full of lots of her stuff. Nice. She specialised in. Uh, she did more kind of graphics, really, or illustration, but she specialised in uh, theatre design. And one of my earliest memories uh, of connecting with. Uh, painting actually uh, it was in um, you know we lived in Durham and uh, I can remember I must have been about five, five or six I'm not even sure if I was at primary school then um, being in a theatre she was designing the sets for some production or other and we were um, in a basement underneath the stage 
where all the uh, props and the uh, yeah yeah all of that was painted and she had all these um, paints out in book mixed up in buckets big open buckets <laughs> of colors it's fantastic it made de Kooning yeah. look I've seen shots of de Kooning studio it's not dissimilar but um the thing that really triggered it was it had it was those paints were made um, they're quite impermanent they're made with glue size yeah um glue size and pigment and water you know. um but it's got a really characteristic smell and i don't know if you ever did oil painting but you know when you put glue size on the traditional method it has this really i mean probably because a lot of it's from bones it has this really characteristic smell and uh, i can remember switching to oil paint in about 78 something like that from acrylic from using acrylic all the time and starting to size canvases this was in london yeah and as soon as that, that smell came it's well it it really, yeah completely Brilliant. you know because i would completely forgotten about it yeah. actually as an experience and just that smell really took me back and uh, these are all in acrylic i kind of moved back into acrylic at the end of the mm, end of the 80s yeah and what was that move for was it just drying time or textures or you mean moving back or moving into oil no back into back into well, acrylic either way drying time well uh, yeah i had technical problems uh the studio we were in before in Rotherhithe had extremes of temperature. You know, it was also it could be very damp, it could also be very hot or very cold. So all the time the canvases are subject to kind of expansion and contraction. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't get a mix of the glue size right, and sometimes even if you do, um, that first layer is prone to uh, cracking. Cracking, yeah. Um, with the, you know, the, this in and out all the time, and there's nothing you can do. If that happens, it doesn't matter what's on top of it. You know, it's going with it's it. It's going to yeah. go off. It's going to come off. Um, and I just got fed up with doing what you know that I was. <laughs> well, that I thought were great paintings, and then, and then cracks would appear and so on. I mean, there's I have some stunning paintings actually from the eighties that. I still daren't roll up because I don't think they'll survive. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that I thought, okay, let's just go back to acrylic for the priming because you don't need size; you just yeah. prime it. Yeah. Da -da. And so it gradually picked up again. You know, I was, okay, just priming, and then I thought, oh, I'll prime with the colour, and, da -da 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 -da. and then the next thing I knew, I yeah. was back. Yeah. And the speed of it is very. Uh, that, that's a major thing for me actually um, I really like to it helps me work through a lot of ideas maybe a lot faster there are things I love about oil paint which you can't, don't you you can't well it's it swings and roundabouts isn't it you can't it depends what you're after yeah you it? can't replicate the acrylic flatness and um, on the other hand you can't there's something about a kind of there's atmospheric quality in oil paint that's although I think some of these get quite near that actually when was it you wanted or you realised you wanted to be an artist mm. 
pretty early on, but I wasn't sure what kind of artist. I mean, I, I, I knew I was drawing from a very early age. Well, like, you know, like I said, my mother was doing it as well, so I didn't think of it. I didn't think of it as something extraordinary. It was just a kind of. I'm very lucky in that respect. Yeah. It was just something that you. But it sounds that, like that you did, you know. You're one of the artists who I speak to often on here, where art in their life was like football to a kid or telly yeah, yeah, or yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. It was just always there. Whereas yeah, yeah. the other group of artists that I speak to have, like myself, yeah. just walked in, discovered art. Yeah. You know, yeah, later yeah. on in life yeah, or yeah, yeah. teens or or what have you. And or um, had to fight to to get. Yeah. To get connected with it so you know Sean's a bit like that I would say he's more like you than me yeah anyway sorry insofar as what just well, discovering just, art yeah yeah the, I don't think there was any art in this family as such you know um, and I think uh, you know he's about five years older than me but um, I think like quite a lot of people that I've seen who gone a long way you know um, what's happened with them is that uh, they maybe didn't even start art school till a bit later mm. so, you know so they've done jobs they didn't you know I'd done a couple of jobs but it wasn't <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know uh, whereas you know I know Sean had worked in quite a lot you know like a printing print works all sorts of things which were pretty horrible he worked in a garage when uh, in Newcastle, um, you know, while he was at college. But uh, I, I did hardly, you know, I did do some weird jobs actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was, it wasn't kind of, I didn't experience it prior to, you know, I mean, with a lot of people, I think uh, if they've had that experience of work you know and in those days work was pretty you know like factory work uh, in the north was pretty hard going or you know all sorts of kind well kinds of work that you just d couldn't see <laughs> you spending your yeah. whole life doing you know it would just be a nightmare well being from london mm. art isn't really on the um on the agenda for most kids mm. but you envisage stereotypically my outlook is that being in Newcastle mm. and wanting to be an artist mm. is is nigh on shunned let alone yeah, rare yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in them days yeah, yeah. it was I presume it was like most working class environments it was either a very laborious yeah. life yeah, yeah. hard yeah. work yeah. or possibly football and boxing if you were, yeah, if yeah, you were lucky escape, yeah. or pop music Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a good art master actually at secondary school. Really good. He'd been to the Royal College, and that was a complete accident, complete fluke, because the school was a heavy-duty Christian Brothers Catholic, oh, was it? Catholic wow. school. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. Don't want to go down that conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know the song um, "It's a Sin" by the yeah, Pet yeah, Shop yeah. Boys. That's about our school. <laughs> he was a, he was a few years below me, Neil Tennant. Sting was the year below. So 
I thought he was joking then. It was actually about the school. Yeah. Super. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. The art room uh, is a real haven, you know, like real haven. Like a, you could escape from madness outside in the, other, the rest of the school. I did do an MA, but it was um, a lot later. It was, uh, I left Newcastle 72, came down to London. We were playing music, really, until I came, we came down in 75. For music or for art? For both, really. So I started teaching in London then, and uh, we were playing and we were rehearsing rather high, actually, in the studio there. And uh, the bass player and the drummer used to come down from Newcastle, but that was one of the problems, really. I mean, having to come all that way just to do re to rehearse was crazy, really. Anyway, blah blah blah. Uh, I just thought, uh, you know, if things go wrong in the studio of painting, it's my fault. There's nobody else involved. I don't yeah, I yeah. You ain't got a drummer letting you down. Yeah, or oh, the van's broken down. We need to blah blah blah. We've got to hump these apps amps at the staircase at the back of this club and then you know three floors up and then play and then pelt you know all of that stuff it's quite classic really so how so long before you went to goldsmiths i started the i was on the first year of the goldsmiths ma course part-time ma course they didn't have a full-time one then and uh, with richard wentworth and mike a guy called Mike Williams, Michael Williams. Um, it was really great. You had to have your own studio. Um, so the, every fortnight there were a couple of nights in, in Goldsmiths, which at that point was at the Oval. And then it moved back to where it is now. Um, you said you had to have your own studio? Yeah, to, to get onto the course wow. you had to be self-supporting and have your own studio which I thought was, obviously I had a great studio, I didn't yeah. want to go into some poxy little space in the Royal College or something, you know. It'd be a, quite a demand on today's student, wouldn't it? Completely, yeah, completely. Well, it'd be impossible, you know, the, the game has changed so much, uh, I think it's not changed for the better. I mean, apart from the changes that we were discussing earlier, you know, the in the way that art schools are run, you've got other things like the cost of living in London, for a start, is insane. The cost of paying for a course is insane. There aren't any grants. I mean, there were no grants with this, but it only cost me, I don't know, 500 quid a year or something, as opposed to whatever it is now, 30 grand or yeah. something insane. You know? And I mean, how... how uh, overseas students manage I haven't a clue you know they're, they're probably yeah, I don't think it's the poor ones coming over to study no it's is not it? of course it's not and it, it, it's the same it's not just with the overseas students it's the home students as well you know uh, yeah it's going to be in a few years the uh, the only artists with a, yeah. a degree are going to be the ones that have uh, yeah. you know got mummy and daddy to to help them out. I know that sounds a bit awful saying it's it. It's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. And it, I've seen it happen, you know. I mean, I can remember when I first started at St. Martin's, teaching at St. Martin's, it was fantastic. You had people from 
everywhere, like you know the uh, you know the, the poor north, you know Glasgow, Newcastle, or from Ireland or from wherever, you know, or um, people from the East End, which at that point was considered to be, you know, beyond beyond civilization, and um, and also in there with people who were really, really well off, you know. And it, what mattered was what you did, yeah. you know, what, you, what you could make. When did um, you start teaching in universities? About then, actually, because prior to that, I'd taught in techs. So I taught in Luton uh, and um, uh, Barking. Yeah, I was at Barking Tech. Oh, was you there as well? Yeah. Which later become yeah, yeah. part of University of East London. It did, yeah, ironically. Which is now a load of flats. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was when I was there, it, it went over. I mean, yeah. we should add at this point, when when we first met was at UEL just after yeah. I got released in, yeah. fucking hell, 2001. Uh, I'm not sure you were. You, had you been released? When I seem to remember your interview. I was. was I was still you were for three weeks signing. Yeah, for three weeks when I started uni, I was still in jail. So I was going yeah, back to yeah, jail yeah, every yeah. night. Yeah, because I can remember your interview. Yeah, I was very. Uh, oh, I, f I I remember it as me being quite sheepish. And a uh, fish out of water. Yeah, yeah. Well, just being out is, <laughs> you know, not quite literally, really. Yeah, I mean, being a tutor for so long, it, um, I suppose it's it's hard to uh, to put a face to it. I mean, we only had being a, a student. You know, we had mm. a dozen tutors to to remember. You had a thirty, forty people a year to yeah, to remember. Sure. So no doubt, there's a it's going to be the odd occasion when someone bumps into you, says hello, and you haven't got a Danny, who, uh, you haven't got a clue who they are. Well, I usually remember, um, although it is getting harder these days. But <laughs> I, I usually, well, it's the, the names of what escape me now. Yeah. I, can, I usually always remember faces, and ironically, sometimes it's people from furthest back that I remember most. And I don't know if that's. I don't know why that is. Maybe you just have more impression on me, you know. And the, the longer you go on teaching, I mean, I was I was sixty eight when I retired, and I was old when I started. You know, twenty twenty three, maybe something like that. Who's gone through your hands, as it were? Oh, a lot of people. I don't, I don't want to boast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to boast, but I, I, a lot of people. A lot of really great artists, and some of them are very, very well known. You remember you telling us a, a few at the time. Yeah, a lot of them are back there. They're still doing it, you know. And there are some years you remember, and they're still around. I mean, the years at Kingston, years at uh, St Martin's, and uh, I mean, it's one one year in particular, St Martin's. I mean, there's about out of about whatever it was, thirty people. I think half of them are still working. Brilliant. You know, which is extraordinary, really. Well, I was quite surprised with my year at University of East London. Mm. Um, not many have gone on to stay mm. within the arts. Mm. Not that I've, 
I've sort of stayed in touch with with loads of them. But the ones I do are doing other jobs. You know, Lee is Lee, the one yeah, I've yeah, you know yeah. who's my buddy there and yeah, he's still yeah, my, yeah. my best buddy now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Yeah, so how long was you at University of East London? It feels like Quite that was yeah. Because you was doing Kingston as well at one point, wasn't you? St Martin's. Yeah, when when the, the universities could afford external um, studio visits, and we'd yeah, yeah. we'd sort of go to an artist studio, it would be um, several from University of East London and several from Kingston. Yeah, yeah. And that was good yeah, to get yeah, to yeah. know. I, I thought that was a really important really thing. A really good thing. That, yeah. Well, I'd set that up because I started. Uh, that was another thing that I'd, I'd finished doing. I used to teach for Syracuse um, American University in London, and I ran this thing called the London Art Scene, which was basically just that, yeah. taking students who'd signed up for it out to people's studios. It was usually an evening thing, studios and uh, shows. And, and so when they... I can't remember what happened now. They pulled out of doing that for some reason. Or maybe they changed the way they were running their London uh, thing. Anyway, that finished after a few years. But we'd, we'd seen, you know, uh, some amazing, you know, did Tracy, Tracy Emin and uh, Gavin and loads of people um, who at that point actually weren't as, you know, the twins we did, you know, that weren't as well known as obviously they are now. Um, and so when I, I thought it was a really good thing, and so when that stopped, I started doing it with Kingston. And then when I started at UEL, I thought, well, just throw them together, and I thought that was, you know, that would be a really good thing to do actually to mix students from different colleges and it, yeah, it was in, because outside the colleges we would get in our own bubble in, in I mean I'm only talking about our year but we would get in our own bubble of there'd be cliques within the class if you, if you know what I mean Once, yeah. some would be more active than others um, some would have different sort of perspectives than others but then meeting up with a whole new group that just made a whole new energy with, within the group that was really good yeah one of the questions I do have, Tim, mm-hmm. which piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection? Mm. 
that's a really difficult question. I find it almost impossible to answer. I mean, I've got so, as you can see, quite yeah. a lot of well, we're looking stuff at, to choose from. Is that two piles, two um, lots of canvases there, or is the ones behind that square one just longer? They're longer. Right, so yeah. we're probably looking at 50 uh, huge yeah, canvases. Yeah, yeah. Most of the stuff is up in Newcastle, rolled up. Yeah, these are at um, least two metres square. Some are even going into three by two, is that? Yeah. Metres? Uh, metres and bad, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's, yeah, seven by 11 foot, yeah. Yeah, so yeah they're that kind of size. And uh, So is that, the, is that the reason you've stayed here so long, is so you haven't got to move all, all, your, <laughs> all your paintings? Well, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I mean... It's an expensive studio, but um, I can't really. I haven't come across. There aren't many studios now that you can get in London that is, you know, big enough to take work like this. But as I say, most of it, um, all you're looking at now is the last sort of decade, really. Yeah. Um, well, everything else is rolled up. With that question about the emotional connection to an artwork, most artists would say one of two things. It'd be either the one they're working on or just yeah. finished, or one that, is, that they've learnt the most from. Yeah. You know, their expectation was higher than, or was lower than where it had started. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, with obviously the work comes in kind of batches, you know, the uh, groups of paintings that relate to each other um, and within uh, any particular group there might be one or two that I really you know rate a lot um, but um, I could, to pick just one I think for me would be impossible I, I couldn't do it really uh, you know I've got stuff I did when I was at school and if you look back at something like that Obviously, it's not going to be uh, as kind of accomplished, if you like, as, yeah. as I hope, <laughs> as something you did yesterday. But you have an emotional attachment to it, um, nevertheless, you know, because it, it, what it represents or what it, uh, you know, the time that it comes from. Um, well, funnily enough, saying about that, the until very recently, the strongest piece that I felt I'd ever created was in my third year show, which was, do you remember the bunk bed with the bricks yeah, underneath? Yeah. And it, it may not mean as much to anyone else when they see it, but that, that seemed to emanate more power than I put into it. Mm. It, it just, it, it was 100% of how I wanted it to... Yeah look and feel yeah but it, yeah. i did feel like i know it sounds a little spiritual but i did get a lot of energy from it it's after loud. it was made yeah 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 and um th i mean there's things i do different you, now you had a few bed pieces didn't you yeah i recall yeah yeah I, I, again i do it slightly different now which is a question I, yeah I'll, I'll ask you this question now that that piece was as i mentioned it was a metal prison bunk bed yeah. um, for people listening the top bunk was made perfectly you know very pristine the under the the void underneath was bricked up, and it was called. Uh, it was a little play on words. It was called positive space, negative space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And if I was to recreate that again and make it to what it feels to me as an artist now, where I've yeah. grown yeah. intellectually, if you like, um, but matured either way, and it was to be remade, could it be the same bed just adjusted or would it have to be another artwork? Hmm. I would say that it would depend on the kind of show that it was, you know, because of the nature of the show that you should reproduce it exactly um, because it was like historical or something. Then I can see that as something. But I think in a, in a, from a bird's eye perspective, if it wasn't for that, if it was just somebody that had seen the piece, thought, oh, that's a powerful piece, can you do me one of those Gary you know um, uh, yeah. then then I, I would say you you should obey your instinct of the time you know and kind of remake it but remake it in a way that wasn't uh, just reproducing it you know so on a similar note Gavin was saying mm. one time that his Sid Vicious that was in a case yeah he'd yeah. put a new floor in it Oh yeah. He'd put a parquet floor where it was okay. not where it was originally. I don't know. So it was just a metal floor. Yeah, I don't remember. He'd the put because it was only what a meter square that it yeah. was stood in, yeah. like a, a big case, if you like. Yeah. And he said that he'd taken it out, put a parquet floor in there. Yeah. And I said, well, was it still the same artwork because you've added a new material? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that started that conversation, and he ended it by saying, no, it's the same artwork. I've just put a new floor in. I'm not sure if I would agree with that completely because it especially with that piece because it's uh, it was such a historical yeah. it was in the, my way video wasn't it and uh, and it's I very historical you know, to putting, yeah and putting a parquet floor was there a parquet floor in the video I can't, I can't remember I don't remember thinking anything about the floor or noticing it. I didn't ask why but if it was you put it in, then you think, you think, well, why is there a parquet floor? It triggers up something different from... He asks another question. The first, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. If there was you, Tim, mm -hmm. and five other artists, past and present... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what would your ideal group <laughs> show be? I don't know, really, because, you know you often find that people that you really really rate if you actually meet them it, it doesn't it, you know I mean you started off yeah. mentioning de Kooning. yeah you know all that generation I mean they're all fantastic painters and I certainly uh, I, you know Pollock de Kooning Rothko Newman you know that whole generation really just great I think it would be quite easy to sort of crush that uh, admiration you know because they're, they're not <laughs> great artists are not necessarily great human beings <laughs> you know to say the least yeah it's a big world the art world and it has all sorts in it all sorts but it is deflating when you walk away from somewhere and like you was just saying, you go, oh, I wish I didn't just meet them. And you're hoping that it was, you just met them on a bad day. And it hasn't yeah, happened yeah. to me often. But a couple of times I've walked away and gone, no, oh, they're... Interesting. 
Yeah, I, I actually, the only thing I could compare that with me, with me is the uh, doing those studio visit things. Nearly always, I knew the work really well, but there were a couple of times when I just took a recommendation, and uh, there was one time in particular I remember uh, getting quite angry actually because I'd, I'd taken these students to see uh, somebody who I won't mention names and uh, we got to the studio and uh, this person said uh, said, oh, we'll, we'll just have to be over here because I've just painted the floor so where all the work was so we couldn't walk <laughs> across the floor to look at the work it was weird. <laughs> so I thought you knew that they were coming, because it was still wet. Yeah. Know, it was like you well, one of the studio visits we'd done of a night. Did on purpose. It was two guys, and I'd seen them recently, like mm. uh, recently then. Mm. Uh, mm. I'm on about. They were showing. They was part of Matthew Collins's show up in. Um, at the time, Milton Keynes had a really good gallery going. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And did, yeah. Matthew Collins had done one. And yeah. they had a taxi cab, black cab, pushed up against the wall. And it was called um, Euthanasia. And it just had a... It had a um, pipe going from the exhaust into the oh, cab. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the two guys, I can't remember their no, names. Colin and Roddy, was it? I think it was. Yeah. They, Colin they, Lowe and Roddy. They was doing a thing with Sarah Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. They did they and they were doing a mobile sense. bar. It was a, like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. an Italian ice cream bike, yeah, yeah. but it was a bar. Yeah. And w when we went into the, to, on their studio visit, they just had this wall with optics. That's it, yeah. And yeah. they just come out and they were... Macbeth. We was Isn't the Macbeth in Hoxton? I can't remember. I it was. It was, yeah, it was yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah. And he went, well, he didn't say crack on, but he said words to the effect of, oh, go and help yourselves. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they were, they were good fun. Yeah. And I remember when we was talking, he, he started talking about his piece that had been up at Milton Keynes in Matthew Collins' show. Oh, yeah. At that time, I, I hadn't had many connections with mm. an artwork. Mm -hmm when I was really taken aback by them. Yeah, I think yeah. theirs may have, that, the one that I just mentioned, yeah. may have been the second or third time it had ever happened to yeah. me that I just had an instant connection with it. It ticked all of the mental boxes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they were good fun. Yeah, they were both at St Martin's in that uh, period, you know, that fantastic period. Every year seemed to have... Uh, great great people in it I remember Peter Doig saying that you know people talk about goldsmiths in that era but St Martin's easily uh, had as you know had as many great people coming out of it I don't know I, don't know if that, I never really counted it up but <laughs> there certainly were some great people and still are actually still are I find it weird that they call it St Martin's it's nothing to do with you know, or Central St Martin's. There used to be two different art schools yeah. when I started there. It's just now Central. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I hear that the studios aren't, um, you know, aren't really 
what they used to be. But it's like that whenever a school moves, isn't it? It's I mean, got a great atrium, yeah. you know. But it's <laughs> I mean, we when when I started at UEL, it had, I was the first year mm. at mm. Docklands. Yeah. The yeah. second and third years hated Docklands mm. because it wasn't Plasto. That's right. Yeah. But. I loved Docklands yeah, because yeah. it was my first experience yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. of that world. Sure, you know. sure, sure. Although, when, likewise, when it moved from where we was in the main building and it went over to the building that it ended up in, I hated that building because it was so oh, yeah, confined. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think we had the first two years in the atrium building. Yeah, and your final show was the first show in there, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. In fact, you... Did you have a year there? I, I think we had a yeah we had our last year there because there was one year that just did their show in there. That might have, it, it, it that may have been us. I can't really yeah. remember. Yeah. The the person that opened ours was um, Grayson Perry. Yeah, I that was two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember that happening, but well, I remember <laughs> a time with you when uh, you brought Matthew Collins down. Mm-hmm. And um, you introduced me to him. Oh, yeah. And you did say, I don't know if you remember this situation. You said, um, Oh, Matthew, I'm surprised you don't know Gary because he seems to know everyone else writing yeah, to yeah, him yeah. from prison. Yeah, yeah. And he went, Oh, from prison. Gary, oh, yeah, I remember. And you just like looked up at the ceiling yeah, as yeah, if to go, oh, yeah, Fucking hell, yeah. you know, I thought I'd caught him out, but there's another one that knows yeah, yeah. him. It was quite strange that I'd built up a sort of relationship with many of the artists that were now yeah. like A-listers yeah, yeah. but I knew no one below that yeah. <laughs> and it was quite a weird old world yeah, that I was yeah. living in yeah. when I didn't know any other working artists but the only ones I knew were those that were Major were at the top figures, there yeah, yeah. yeah it was quite a weird quite a weird old time yeah Used to write to Gary, didn't you? I think Gary Hume. Yeah, Gary was. Yeah, he was one of the strongest, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. in replying. Yeah. He he would send me sketchbooks. I've still mm. I, I still use the sketchbook he sent me. Interesting. And I don't use it a lot. Yeah. But um, I I used to. <laughs> oh fucking hell! I'm glad I've got out of this. I used to have a book for ideas. Then there was another book for refined ideas. Mm. Then it was ones that I wanted to make into artworks. Wow. Then I had a sketch, Gary's sketchbook yeah, yeah, that yeah, he sent yeah. me, where I'd put the final, um, the, the the final sketch, yeah, yeah, like the finished yeah, yeah. sketch in yeah. of what it was going to be. And funnily enough, when I was doing my masters, and Grenville, Davy, I had this book on me, the book of ideas, and it was like a diary. It felt like that to me. Yeah, like yeah. I'd never let anyone else read it, you yeah. know. And he said, well, what's that you've got there? And I said, oh, it's just a book of ideas. And he went, can I have a look at it? And when I passed it over to him, I didn't quite want to let go. It was that sort mm-hmm. of to and fro him. Mm-hmm. And then he's opened it up and he went, fucking hell, this is an artwork on its own. This is your artwork. And I felt a bit funny about him holding it and mm-hmm. looking in it. Mm-hmm. Then he passed it around the class. And everyone's looking in this fucking... And I felt like I was being violated, you know. It was, wow. a, it was a funny, strange old yeah, feeling yeah, that I was yeah, getting. Yeah. Because, as I say, it felt like a diary to me, the book of ideas. If um, if you wasn't an artist, Tim, what do you think you'd like to be? Oh, if I wasn't a visual <laughs> artist, I <laughs> would have been a musician. Of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, after that, I don't know, really, I could have got into writing, maybe. 
maybe fiction or poetry or something. I mean, I still enjoy writing. I used to enjoy writing lyrics for songs, and now that's kind of uh, compressed into titles of paintings. Yeah. Um, so that you know, that's it gets shorter and shorter. Well, what's the um, title of the work we've been looking at? Has you got one yet? That one's yeah. That's called Tell the Time, and you know, I think a lot of the recent work. Obviously, the, these circular motifs and so on. Is that all right? Is that a fair of it? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I think thinking about, you know, what they're about, I mean, as much about the experience of time or time passing as they are about space. You know, normally people talk about space in relation to painting or investigating space or, you know... I think these are as much to do with the experience of time. But I don't, you know, more than that, I don't really know at the moment. I just know that a lot of these paintings have got time in the title. Well, after, this is what Ray, we mentioned Ray Richardson earlier. Mm. Um, when Ray came to the uni when I was there and we was, we was chatting... Mm. He said to me then, he said, I always remember that in one of our letters, I'd mentioned that my ideal situation upon release would be to get on a boat and just travel away so I could see no concrete yeah, yeah. and just see horizon. That was the thing that yeah, I'd always, yeah. always wanted to. And, and it, weren't, it was only been the last couple of years, just prior to pandemic, Ray asked if I'd ever, if I'd ever done yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I said, no, I didn't. It was just a... A longing at the time it yeah. weren't a sort of am, an Very ambition you know interesting to do it I yeah. think it's because it was, you used to paint at sea oh uh, etchings I mean um, etchings yeah, yeah um, Norman Aykroyd Norman Aykroyd yeah, yeah he'd go out to yeah, sea yeah, on a yeah. pissing down yeah, <laughs> pissing yeah. down storm with a been a few of those it's a Turner tradition isn't it but um, yeah I think that horizon thing is quite magical actually I mean it does what it's intended to it, it halts your eye doesn't it mm. and you're not entirely drawn I thought you'd be drawn to the centre circle which is just off centre but um, yeah your eye I, th I think it shouldn't settle it should keep going you know you, you get one reading and then you get another and what what it means to you today it might not mean it might mean a different thing tomorrow you know you might find a different thing happening that's what I hope for really most of the work actually that it's it's slow to give itself up you know well when I think of your work I do think of horizontal and vertical um it like dis it looks like a from first glance it looks like a disjointed fence where it's disconnected yeah, yeah, yeah. and fallen apart. Actually, that big one there, we could. That's got. Um, that's probably going to be in the show as well. You could put that up if you if you want if you've got time. By all means.
get heavier. <laughs> now this has got a horizon line, well, albeit vertical. Yeah, it's called slider. So the, there's that sensation of... Yeah, see, that's what I see. I mean, although this one is more curved than how... Uh, Maybe the ones you, you were talking about, yeah. yeah. Is, and that's going in as well? I think so. I'm not even sure if the, the horizontal one... There's a couple of horizontal ones going in, but I'm not sure if that long one is going to be... Uh, the one we've just been looking at is going to be in this show now. Does any of it actually cross... Oh, it does. I was going to say, does any of it actually cross over into the next half? But there's only... Not literally. It's it doesn't. Oh, no, that isn't, is it? It yeah. looks like it visually, but it isn't. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's the same kind of stuff going yeah. on. but it's, it's got the same sweep, but, yeah, when you get closer, it's... Um, yeah, it's not. It's uh, literally a game of two halves. Yeah. I always used to like that in cameras when you have that uh, focus, focus thing where you manual focus and it just clicks into uh, precision and there's a similar thing going yeah. on in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever shown with Alexis? Uh, Harding? Yeah. Because um, your work had well, I? I don't know. Your work had sit well together. I know his is very different. Yeah. And where did Slider come from? Well, it's just that kind of thing in the middle, isn't yeah. it? What, you know, it's kind of continually kind of moving towards being resolved, but of course it never, never is. And how many have you got in this show? Uh, not many, uh, but it's all big stuff, which is great. Probably, uh, I'm thinking there's going to be four paintings. They wanted five, but... I mean, I can show you on the phone the kind of space it is. Uh, and where is it? Um, it's uh, Cree Church Place, number one. I think it's Cree Church or Cree Place, which is just off, uh, you know where Allgate bus station is? Yeah. It's just uh, across the road from there. I think I know, yeah, I know the, yeah. the one you're on about. Yeah. And when's it on from until? Uh, we're opening... At the moment, on the 27th, which I only just found out about, which unfortunately, yeah, is coincides with Granville's memorial thing. Anyway, yeah, on the 27th, and I think that it's going to be up for maybe three months, I hope, nice. you know, for quite a while, because it's, it's not going to be easy. They're having to install a kind of hanging system you know, with those rods and stuff, because the walls are marble or some something yeah, that they yeah. can't drill into, you know. So they've not got the same hanging system as you've got here? No, well, I, <laughs> I, prefer, yeah. I prefer this, because it means they're absolutely flat to yeah, the wall. Yeah. And if you have them hanging from these rods, they, they tend to tip, the top tips out yeah. a little bit. And they'll be visible from the street, but obviously you won't get as good a view as you would if you go into the place and I'm presuming they'll allow you know that they've asked me you know I can invite anyone I know I want to to the opening but I don't know what happens after that whether I have to make arrangements 
you know, so maybe, is it, maybe uh, people can just walk in to, that's the, what I was going to, say. to the foyer and say, can I have a look? I'm, sh I'm going to work towards that. You know, I'm hoping that that's what will happen. And are they for sale there as well, or just for show? Yeah, it's all for sale. And where can the, the last one that's on this list is where can um, anyone find your work, be it website or social media? Okay, there's a website <laughs> which is not uh, which is not very up to date, I'm afraid. You know, uh, we'll get to it, I'm sure, soon. Uh, it's well, it's missing about three or four years, I think. That's www.timallen.london. So it's quite a simple one. And then the Instagram is, uh, what is it, Tim Allen Shots. That's it. And I did look on there just this morning, and the last post you done was in March, which is why I chuckled. I haven't, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I've been, I'm still reading them. I'm still reading them, but I haven't posted anything I don't new think, for a while, actually. I don't know I don't quite think it why. matters in the slightest. Well, I, I have periods when I really get into it and posting stuff every day, but I haven't done it for a while. I should start again now you've reminded me. Well, after all that, Tim, that's yeah. all my questions asked. So Good. thank you very much for your time. Pleasure, probably. <laughs> Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast or even giving us a positive shout-out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening, and until next week, ta on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.